0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Unto the Breach, movies, games, and beyond. I am your host for this episode, Joe, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, Adam. How's it going, Adam?
1: Oh, it's going great, Joe. How are going you? Great?
0: All right. Um, you, know, goodbye. you know, Life is life is life. Indeed. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, today's episode is another movie-centered episode, so for those who don't like games, huzzah! There's a new episode for you. But we're going to kind of get into this episode. I kind of wanted to start going into more what I kind of see this podcast is going forward. That will, that will kind of explain the name, because we called it Unto the Breach. Because the idea of this podcast is kind of to talk about things that people have a hard time talking about, because there's a lot of angry nerds out there that are very irrational about how they talk about things, and are very much, my opinion is the opinion, fact. You You know what I mean? Yeah, and they're not
1: hard to find, man. They're not hard to find at
0: all. Yeah, they're everywhere, man. It's crazy. Just go on Reddit. You'll see plenty of them. It just kind of feels like fandoms are kind of just a bandwagon. And if you're not part of the bandwagon, you're just not a true fan. You know? Mm-hmm. But, so for today, we're just jumping right into it. We're going right into that breach. And we are going to talk about Star Wars. The least...
1: The least... Uh, yep. <laughs>
0: opinionated
1: thing we could ever discuss no
0: one's ever had an opinion about star wars and <laughs> we're gonna start with a nice nice thick steak oh. we're gonna talk about star wars episode one the phantom menace yeah, buddy, I can feel the dread entering the room right now.
1: <laughs> I would dare say that <laughs> this is pod racing.
0: yeah, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna have kind of we're going we're gonna go into kind of a deep dive about this movie and like really talk about it. Not a review. not that's like we're gonna actually discuss like the movie and how we feel about it and how we feel about how other people feel about it and how that makes us feel about it. And, you know, it's just it's just gonna be a it's gonna be a nice conversation about The Phantom Menace. If you haven't seen Phantom Menace, you're probably going to be lost, but come on, you've definitely seen it. Everybody's seen this freaking movie, man. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talked about this freaking movie, and man. So join us as we go onto the breach to talk about The Phantom Menace. Here we go again. It's this yeah. time, it's for real. This is where the fun begins. <laughs> so, Yeah. Let, let,
1: oh, let's start we're going to blow through our allotted prequel references. And- yeah, probably.
0: But <laughs> <So> probably. <laughs> I'm just going to lay all my cards out on the table from the get-go. So those that will be angry and can't listen to someone that disagrees with them, you can just turn this off. So or or no. don't. We, we like yeah, or, you to or,
1: listen yeah, to our voices. On,
0: hear us out. You know, hear us out. So, yeah. Star Wars The Phantom Menace. I love this movie. It's not a good movie. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's pretty bad. But what do you think of Phantom Menace overall?
1: I think uh, I think I was in the Target demo for several of the aspects of Phantom Menace whenever I first saw it. Because I was, I was like six years old whenever I first saw this movie. In fact, my parents actually made sure to have me watch episodes four, five, and six uh, before we saw Phantom Menace as a family. And my dad is pretty adamant that he's like, I never really liked that movie. I mean, I didn't say it because I saw how much y'all liked it, but... I never liked it. And I and you know I'm like, but dad, Jar Jar Binks is like the best thing ever. (laughs) Which I like I no lie, man. I was thirteen whenever I learned that people didn't like Jar Jar Binks, and I was so confused by that. That's pretty funny. And and we're talking like (laughs) almost a decade between me learning about that and me seeing the movie, like, what? People didn't
0: like Jar Jar? What the what's wrong with you? Yeah, so did you see in theaters? I did wow I oh, did, yeah yeah
1: uh, saw it in theaters uh you know obviously as a six-year-old what do you get out of it a bunch of pretty pictures uh the pod racing was really cool i thought darth maul was a really cool looking villain and looking
0: villain yeah
1: he was a cool looking villain and jar jar binks was funny what's there not to like Oh, and the biggest twist of all, you know, spoiler alert for a 20-year-old movie that Padme is actually Queen Amidala. What? I know. (laughs) I know, right. But, you know, as an adult, like, you you see this movie and you're like, oh, my gosh, uh, this is like bad Shakespeare in space. And – On top of that, like you go into if you go into the forums, you'll see like this side that like theorizes what the prequel trilogy was supposed to be based on what uh, the pre based on what Phantom Menace was hinting at, but didn't quite do too well. So dark jar jar crap uh, a little bit, but there's other things too. Yeah. Other things it's, too. You know, that's one of them. That's one of them. But, uh, but uh, you know, I think I'll pass it back off to you. Tell me about let's let's go through the Phantom Menace. You know, what what was the world like in the wonderful year of nineteen ninety
0: nine when it, when this movie came out? Well, I was four years old, so I don't know. Mm. But I think I remember there's there was an interview that Mark Hamill did back in the eighties. It was when Empire Strikes Back came out. It was when he mentioned it was going to be nine movies
1: mm-hmm.
0: they were going to make that what the, the episode but the second trilogy was going to be later but they're going to go back and make movies about like the old republic and the jedis and the clone wars and stuff mm-hmm. and george lucas insists that he was planning to make nine movies from the start which personally i don't believe i think he was just hoping to make one movie because he barely did but I do think when he made Episode Five, he probably was planning on making these at some point. And I, I feel like in this point, people were just hungry for a new Star Wars movie.
1: Oh, for sure. It's been over because, a decade.
0: Yeah, and it's it's weird to think that I don't know. Well, how do you how did people feel about Return of the Jedi at this point? Uh, in 1999. Yeah, had they finally like got kind of come around. Like, okay, it wasn't that bad. Because I know people that still to this day like of the older generation, they hate Return of the Jedi. They hate the Ewoks.
1: <laughs> Understandable. But it, man. I, I think the feeling for Return of the Jedi at that time going into episode one was, you know, we're glad for what we had. And then after episode one, they were like, oh my gosh, Return of the Jedi wasn't bad after all.
0: Uh, that, that might be. Yeah.
1: So I, I think it probably retroactively changed some opinions on uh, Return of the Jedi after Phantom Menace came out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because if, if, if we come around today, there's a lot of major defenders of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, especially with the start with the sequel trilogy and everything. Of how like the, this movie is actually a masterpiece and it was underrated and all this stuff. Blah, 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 blah. And it, it's worth mentioning that when this movie came out, it was very positively received. It was, yeah. The, the effects were revolutionary. They look terrible today. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was very impressive what they were doing it like it, it it's kind of like avatar actually if you think about it
1: yeah yeah like from that standpoint of really really flexing the tech mm-hmm. totally like gungung Gung city in naboo the underwater city that is totally there for george lucas to flex how good they are at making cg
0: yeah and now it just looks like a cutscene <laughs> yeah but yeah like people fans love this movie i do wonder how many of them were like your dad and said they liked it but actually didn't and were kind of in denial there's definitely an a- there there's definitely an aspect of that back in the day of like you can't it's the star wars movie it finally came out it can't be bad what do we do mm-hmm.
1: and i mean that's also like you know whenever something is an overall bad experience but you want it to be good you'll highlight the things that are good right yeah yeah and to me, like, to this day, the two best things about that movie are the the Duel of the Fates lightsaber battle with Darth Maul and the Pod Race. Mm-hmm. Those are the two single most important things that happened in, in that movie, as far as I'm concerned. But admittedly, it's filled with a bunch of other stuff, right?
0: There's a lot that, of other stuff. Man, we're going to get into all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. We're so, going to get into, like, detail. But I'm, I'm going to say, like, my, my experience with this movie when I first saw it was i was at my cousin's house once mm-hmm. and they were watching star wars it was episode four it was a scene where they were in the trash compactor i had no idea what star wars was i was like four mm-hmm. and i remembered like i was just watching it I'm like what is this this is cool and it kind of went on and then the darth vader and obi-wan kind of fight like whoa that's like a sword but it's like a le- that's cool this is cool. They got, like, laser guns and everything. The music is fun. And then my parents came in and said, I'm not allowed to watch Star Wars. But that, old, that stuck in my mind for years. Mm-hmm. And then, then LEGO started making sets. I played I played a lot of LEGOs, started making Star Wars sets, and I would get, like, the catalogs, like the Star Wars catalogs, and I'd see all the ships and stuff like, oh my gosh, I think this is that movie that they were watching. This is Star Wars. Nice. And, Episode two was just was coming out at this time, and i even I even got some Lego Star Wars sets. Of one of them was the Bounty Hunter Pursuit one, which was what, what's the name of the I don't know the Bounty Hunter name that gets the worms. Uh, J, you mean Jago Fat? No, no, the one that he hires. You know, how he hires the Bounty Hunter. Oh, I don't remember her name. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't yeah, but, it, but I, I had like a, like a set with her ship and everything, and it, I loved that thing. And so I, I caught the Star Wars trilogy on TV, and I loved it. And we went to the library, and then I got Phantom Menace. I didn't like it. I liked, but I kind of liked it. Like, I liked the ending. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking about most of that movie when I first watched it. Because, like, after I watched it, I did. I was like, "Man, that was great! That was a great Star Wars movie." But it was because of that ending. And I remember when I was watching it, the first couple, the first couple, like the first hour, I did not like it at all because it was nothing like the three movies I had just watched. So even me at seven years old was kind of like, mm, "I don't really like this movie. I don't know why." Now you might be confused because I just said I love this movie because man I I watch this movie a lot hmm and I absolutely love it now and we're gonna get into the specific parts of this movie that I do like and the parts that absolutely suck because this movie's not good oh, so, yeah. oh yeah let's, let's oh, yeah. kind of get let's kind of get let's, let's go from the start this movie opens really really weird this whole movie is just a generalized movie this is a weird movie it's it's nothing like the original trilogy it's just but at the same time, the reason I actually like this more than the other two prequels, because this movie, I think, is the most George Lucas of the three. Mm-hmm. You can tell when you watch this that George Lucas ultimately did have a vision for the Star Wars prequels. And this was what he was really planning to do with them. And it's like you said, how there's theories of how he was going to take it. Because if you look at episode two and three, he changes a lot of stuff that is not this movie at all. Mm-hmm. And I, I, what I appreciate about this movie is how, even though it's not good, I would rather watch a movie that's not good that is clearly the director's vision and what he wanted to make than watch a mediocre film. That's just, it. Eh. Like, mm-hmm. Attack of the Clones is a pretty mediocre film. And Revenge of the Sith, I think, is pretty mediocre as well, even though it's clearly probably the best movie of the three. But this is the one where it's like, George Lucas didn't care. He just made his vision Mm -hmm. as weird as it is. I got to get, you got to give him credit for that. He, he went, he went all in on that. So yeah. How do you, how do you feel when you first watch the intro to this movie these days?
1: These days, it's more like, uh, well, since I understand like the politics that he's aiming for, I like, I, I appreciate the ambition. I will say that I appreciate the ambition because overall, like the movie is this political intrigue of them. Like, uh, I mean, what it's a trade dispute, but it's actually a veil, but it's actually an inspired trade dispute where they're blockading. I mean, it's basically a siege of a planet, right? That the mm-hmm. Jedi are going and it should be just a routine. Hey, let's get out of here. And then it hits a fan whenever they try killing them for the negotiations, which turned out to be very short. Uh ha.
0: What a joke.
1: Uh-huh. Indeed. The negotiations, What were short. Uh, and it's just, like, you get hints of, like, what Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon as Jedi are capable of. Because, like, in that scene where they're trying to escape from the ship they're in, or the big old, uh, I-, I don't know what you call it. The Trade Federation mothership, I guess. Uh, whenever they're trying to escape from that, like, you see them do, like, the Jedi super speed dash. It's, like, really quick. <laughs> But it's like, were they going to have, were they going to flex more force powers throughout this movie that they just didn't? I guess. Because that ended up not getting cut in, in the final product. Um, but you also see, like throughout the film, you see a lot of Qui-Gon like, waving his fingers. And then suddenly, like, the person agreeing with him. Although it the, the delivery is awkward enough that you really don't notice a difference in mm-hmm. what they said before and what the, and the tone of what they said after. But, like, Qui Gon is in the Jedi mind trick every single chance he gets in this movie. He's it's just it's not it's making it's a very big deal kind about of bad.
0: it. Yeah. It's like, dude, that's. I don't know if that's really morally good what you're doing, but you do you, I guess. Yeah, and
1: I mean, that also kind of gets into what Qui Gon's character is supposed to be, right? Because mm-hmm. I think the intention was Qui Gon to be sort of a. Jedi that leans gray, if you will, right? Like, he's not the, uh, to use Dungeons & Dragons term, he's not just the lawful good Jedi paladin, do everything by the book sort of guy. He's willing to bend the rules a little bit in order to do the right thing, uh, even if it was against the Jedi code. I think that's what they were leaning towards, but, you know, ultimately, you know, he's kind of like the, you know, screw you guys, I'm gonna do what I want, and I'm still on the night's side of the force. Like, that's Qui-Gon in a nutshell, right? Yeah, and you see that being carried on whenever you know they get pick up anakin and the jedi council's like no he's too old to start training we're not going to do this it's a bad idea and qui-gon's like uh no i'm going to train him anyway because obi-wan here is done with his training
0: which you makes know? you wonder is qui-gon was his training method would that have been good for anakin We don't, you never know pro- probably because very know, clear right? obi-wan was probably responsible for a lot of what happened to Anakin. Yeah, And those are the kind of aspects of this that I find really interesting that they don't follow up on at all. Yeah. Especially Qui-Gon. S- he's not even mentioned in Attack of the Clones. At all. No, he's not.
1: He's oh, no, wait. No, 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 no. He,
0: he is he Oh is yeah, he's, yeah, Count Dooku mentions it. He, he is referenced
1: because he's Count Dooku's student.
0: Like, either way, th- he's such a core yeah. character to Phantom Menace. He just doesn't feel like he has. he's around in 2 and 3. And, like, yeah, he's dead, but Obi-Wan dies in Episode 4, but he still has a presence in 5 mm-hmm. and 6.
1: In fact, it's alluded to that Qui-Gon's the one who first figured out how to be a Force ghost.
0: Yeah, yeah. But and, and that that's a whole interesting thing. Like It's it's very clear that George Lucas probably intended to do more with Qui-Gon in 2 and 3, but it just didn't really happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that, that's one of the reasons about this movie that's so fascinating to me, is how other things that are missing in the sequels, Jar Jar's one of them, which I don't mind that. <laughs> I don't mind Jar Jar not being around, but he is around for what he has to do because he Jar Jar does play a major part in what happens in two and three. Mm-hmm. And there is somewhat there there is character development in his arc in this movie of how he goes from being the buffoon to he ultimately does save all the Gungans. Uh huh. And like there's a rise to power and we don't really see where he was going. We didn't get to see where he went with that. And so that's why when when people talk about we're rewatching Star Wars. But they do that weird order of like 4, or 5, and then 2, 3, and then 6. Don't watch one at all. It's kind of annoying to me. Because like, there's a lot in this movie that I think is really important to what Star Wars is. Because mm-hmm. Star Wars, to me, a lot of what Star Wars is is ambition. Like pushing the boundaries. And this one, I feel like, oddly enough, does that more than any other Star Wars movie ever made. Except mm-hmm. arguably the first one. Because it's the only one that doesn't feel, that never feels like playing anything safe, ever. For sure.
1: Yeah, a lot more just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. And, you know, I I think the biggest marketing pushes that ended up sticking pretty well were, again, the pod races and Darth Maul. Mm -hmm. You know? I mean, heck, they made a whole video game about pod racing. It was pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, and that was a pretty dang good video game. Like, they re released it it recently, too. Yeah.
0: But if we. we if we continue like to what happened with this movie is that it went from people liked it when it first came out to then around 2010 or so suddenly it wasn't cool to like this movie anymore. Yeah. It was when the, honestly, I think a lot of it had to do with the red letter media review. Which I, I, I can see that. Yeah. I love, I love the Mr. Plinkett review. That review is awesome. It's hilarious. It's a great piece of critique. But that's when the bandwagons kind of start happening. Because now everyone that hated this movie had a way to articulate why it was bad. And everything started skewing that way. And suddenly, it went back the other way again, where the prequels were actually good, and it was around the time the sequels came out. So this movie is really interesting of how it doesn't actually have a definitive reception among people. It's so polarizing to this day, all the prequels, Mm-hmm. And this one especially, because like people like me who will defend this movie are still going to admit it's bad. And then there are people that love it that will admit it's amazing. It's really interesting how this movie will never actually have a definitive thing of what did people actually think about it. Because it's been muddied so many times throughout history. Yeah, Which is, honestly, I think what makes good art, weirdly enough. No yeah, one it's- knows if this movie's actually good or not. <laughs> it could be the most genius movie ever made. Or and it's just and we're just all small brain can't
1: can't yeah. comprehend the who genius who knows man but uh clearly some Rick and Morty fans have seen this movie what do they think mhm mm-hmm. uh, you know those yeah. intelligent human beings how, uh, they must surely yeah. think this is an yeah. excellent yeah. movie uh, uh, yeah
0: one those, like you don't get it or something about like some kind of Star Wars ring theory thing came out of something there's so many things but ultimately if, if I was going to summarize this it is its ambition and it's kind of i think ultimately the movie overall's quality is kind of a failure because of that because mm-hmm. George Lucas has even said like I went too far in a lot of ways. And one of the ways I think we all definitely agree he went too far was this whole midi calorian thing.
1: Mhm trying to quantify the force.
0: Right. I don't know how I feel about it anymore. I hated it before. Now I'm kind of down with it? I don't know. How do you interpret the whole midichlorian thing?
1: Well, uh, you know, I'm going to interpret this from the perspective of a Dragon Ball Z fan. Like, the first time I really comprehended what they were trying to get at with midichlorians, Uh, you know, it was maybe like when I watched it years later. First time as a kid, I didn't know what the heck they were talking about. But essentially, they're just trying to say Anakin has a high power level. Mm -hmm. We need to teach him how to use that power. Right? That was the point of them... Doing medichorians is just like the force is really strong with him, and we can quantify it with a number. He has a higher medichorion count than Master Yoda, and we all know Yoda's the strongest force user, right? So that to me, that was the point of medichorians. It wasn't necessarily to uh, quantify the force uh, and diminish it in that sense, because I mean, essentially, the force has always just been space magic, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what it does, and for a power set, if you think about it, you can push and pull stuff with your mind. Uh, you can shoot lightning bolts out of your hands. You can, can, you can do minor mind control and you can also have like great jumping and great agility. Mm -hmm. What sort of power set is that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like those four Mm -hmm. things basically don't all go together. Right. But they can in the force because the force is always supposed to be like, hey, here's this, you know, the force is basically a way of saying this person has magic and whatever magic works for their character, they are going to get. So in the case of the Jedi, for the longest time, it was push and pull, you know, uh, that sort of thing. Right. And then at times the Jedi mind trick Uh, for the emperor lightning like that is a good visual but it all is under the umbrella of the force. Um, Later in the sequel trilogies, you know, Ray ends up being able to heal stuff that seem that fits under the force, in my opinion, because it fits her character as, because she like tries to heal stuff, but we'll get to that movie another time. But in, you know, that like that, to me, that's the point of the force, right? It's supposed to be magic and you get access to this magic by participating in the sort of spirituality and mysticism of, the Jedi or the Sith and it can manifest in a lot of powers. So, you know, that, that's overall what I think. And I think the intention was just to put a power level on Anakin be like, this kid has a lot of potential power. We need to not waste it instead of it ended up souring a lot of fans. Cause it kind of lowered the, I guess the spirituality aspect of the force.
0: Yeah. It's, it's it's interesting when the when you do try to quantify something like the force, like that can go wrong because you could say it removes the mysticism of it. But at the same time, it's like that does add. If they had gone that direction, it does add a cool aspect, and it kind of explains how the Emperor is, got to where he did because mm-hmm. he learned like the science of the Force and how to really manipulate it and game the system, like essentially learning the equivalent of how to grind. I don't remember that player.
1: from the tale of Darth Plagueis the Wise but you know it's No, serum. but
0: like like that they, that could be like the secret of it and I don't know if he was planning on going that direction or if it is like he said it was just to give a power level to this kid. But either way, it was clear that it's it's clear that George Lucas was like this is this is what I want to do. And there, there's there's our, there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of theories of like the reason this movie went so wrong was because there was no one telling him no, and that could be. But imagine I I I think we've seen a version of this where people tell George Lucas no, and he kind of makes a more production one, and it's Attack on the Clones, which we're going to talk about that one later. But that that's that's quite a movie. Mm-hmm. But among like Midi there's a lot of other things about this movie that's so weird, where he goes way too far with it and that's like the whole senate meeting thing. Mhm. This is the dread of everyone that watches this movie is senate meetings. And A. here's the A. when world
1: building goes too far.
0: Yes. And here's the kicker. It's low key my favorite part of the movie.
1: I know, man. Dude, ET is part of the Star Wars universe. Who <laughs> yeah. would have thunk
0: it? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty weird. But the, the senate meeting I think is the biggest example of where he was planning to take this and there's so much that actually happens in this sequence. That yeah, it's pretty boring, but it's also really, really fascinating. On in kind of a vacuum, if you watch these mm-hmm. out of the context of like the entire movie, and you see, you see how Palpatine gets power.
1: Yeah, and so he like, like you see it from the get go. He knows how to play the game. He's advising yeah. them, "Hey, this is the stuff they're going to do. They're going to bog, they're going to bog us down in procedures, while your people are under siege right now. Mm-hmm. You know." Because what was it? It was, do you, do you agree to the proposal to start an investigation of the of the supposed accusation? You know, like those four things. And it's like, yeah, no wonder it takes so long to do that. And, you know, obviously the subtext is that the bigger democracy gets, the, the less things happen.
0: Yeah, it, it it was. I remember I rewatched this movie one time and it just kind of hit me during this sequence, I'm like, oh like that's what this is going for. And I really started to really appreciate this whole sequence, as boring as it kind of is and weird and out of place, especially mm-hmm. in a Star Wars movie. Where like he th- this this whole sequence does something that I think is lacking in the other two movies. Is in order for I think one of the biggest failures of the prequels is that it I don't feel like it does a very good job convincing you of how the empire came to be but the senate meeting by the end of it when he's talking in in uh, Padme's ear about like what's going to happen and like gaming the system you kind of believe by then like I believe that he would rise to power in this situation I understand how he did it and it's kind of genius in that way like how he had Naboo be invaded so he could use he could use that to get sympathy. Mm-hmm. Of it's like, guys, it's my home planet. That's why you should vote for me. My home planet's being destroyed. Like, pity me. Yeah, which There's I something mean, so cool about the way he manipulates it all like that. And it, yeah, it, it's, and if you
1: think about it, it also tells you how much of a bastard he is because his home planet is being invaded, so he can gain political power. Exactly.
0: It really is the most emperor he is in those three movies. Because in Episode Three, I just don't really. I'm just not that convinced when he's. Like kind of smooth talking Anakin into like joining him. By the end of that movie, I'm like, I don't really still get why he did, because it's kind of doing what they did in Episode One. But the way George Lucas was so bold with it, I think that it, it it just it sold a little more for me as boring Mm -hmm. as it is. Unfortunately, the decision to put it in a Senate meeting is so hard to pull off that he just couldn't do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think if he had, uh, and I think if he had recontextualized it, because admittedly, visually the Senate meeting looks amazing, right? Mm -hmm. It's really cool. It really gets you the scale of this is large government stuff happening. But of course it's really boring. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's politics. Uh, Which is kind of the point. Like I think it would have been more fitting if, you had seen it once and you didn't watch the proceedings. Yeah. If you had just heard them be like, well, we're stuck in arbitration of, of, are we allowed to submit our free thoughts to the proposal, to the thing, to the thing about the invasion? And it's like, but my people are dying now. Uh, now, admittedly, I don't think the movie all, I don't think the movie conveyed urgency nearly as much really. as they were shooting for either. Cause you know, the urgency is that, the planets under siege, they can't get supplies and on top of that like the droid army has enslaved the naboo people and are you know killing them and harming them, right? in order to get their uh, get their way, which wasn't communicated too well visually.
0: Uh, no, that that I think is if I that is the biggest failing of this movie. Mm-hmm. Is that how interesting the plot actually is. I had to watch the movie 20 times to get it this movie is so confusing and does not make any sense and because and one of the main reasons for that is the movie doesn't they don't do a good job of giving you a reason to care about what's happening because all the stuff you just said about how they're enslaving all the people it never shows you that ever not once they just talk about it
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I think that is why this movie ultimately feels so weird and why I think the prequel trilogy as a whole feels kind of weird. It keeps talking about the weights of what's going on, but it never shows it to you.
1: Indeed. And it breaks one of the that's one of the rules of storytelling or yeah. movie telling, right? Is show don't tell.
0: Show don't tell. And they never show you. And the only the only reason I get the urgency in Phantom Menace is because of a game called it was a kind of a Rogue Squadron spin-off. It was called Star Wars Episode One Battle for Naboo. On the N sixty four. On the N sixty four. Where you play as you, you play as a pilot or one of the security people on the boo who is trying to just like save as many protect as many people as he can on the planet while the queen is off doing whatever she's doing. And it shows you like slave encampments and all kinds of stuff like that. And so I have a I had a context for it that most people don't have for the movie. So it's just not really clear what's happening on the planet and why it should matter. When that is so core to everything that's happening, it baffles me that they didn't even try to show a scene
1: mm-hmm.
0: of what was happening to the people. You never see it. The most you see is the queen in handcuffs when they come to save her. That's it. Yep. E- even the Gungans, of how they go down, they come up from the ocean. They say all the Gungans are gone. Like, why didn't you give us a visual of the vis the village, like deserted? Why are you just telling us?
1: Yeah, like if they had like gotten in their boat again, and the two Jedi and Jar Jar had gone down, and instead of like the big lights and everything, you just see everything is off, and you're like something's wrong.
0: Yeah, the only you go the in only... And you
1: can hear an echo like that would convey it more than anything.
0: Yeah the the only the only actual visual it shows of the the droid's doing anything bad? It's knocking over some trees. Oh no! And yeah, who care Come on, it's a swampland. There's the, plenty the of trees. trees in the <laughs> Windows
1: ninety eight background. I might yeah, add. Yeah,
0: exactly. So that that I think is is a big thing. And then it gets lost on this whole thing side quest with Tatooine that ultimately is kind of meaningless. It's the the only point plot. of that
1: side quest is to recruit Anakin and to podrace. Yeah, right. which is
0: cool, but. Like, you could have started Anakin off in any other way. I don't know. It's he, it's, it's he really disjointed.
1: In, like Honestly, in a rewrite scenario, you could have done that in a lot of different ways. But it does make sense that, hey, we got damaged on our way out. We need to stop somewhere. And it may or may not be this recognizable planet from the Star Wars series. It
0: does. They, they had to go to Tatooine in the first
1: movie. Ultimately. Yeah. They had to. They but, had to
0: have all the, the visuals and everything that you, that you were familiar with. But yeah, the fact that,
1: like, it's communicated better, like, how dire of a situation Anakin and his mom are in, in Tatooine, than the people of Naboo, who are the ones who ultimately get rescued by the climax of the
0: movie, like, they're the main, they're the A-plot, you know, save Naboo, Mm
1: -hmm. but...
0: They get sidetracked for so long. They do. (laughs) And then you finally go back and they're all fighting about it, and then there's all those pilots and everything, I don't know where the heck they came from.
1: Yeah. So, I mean... there is that aspect. Uh, another aspect is that uh, I really, sincerely think Obi Wan should have had a larger role in this movie than what he. I had. agree. Because I really agree. It seems to me that the goal was to make Obi Wan the protagonist of uh, the prequel trilogy, but it just he seems like the the number one best friend in the entire prequel trilogy instead. Because mm-hmm. the protagonist in the first one seems like Qui Gon, right? You you would agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. And then in two and three, it's Anakin for sure. So it's, it feels like it's a bit of an identity crisis there. I think it would have been a much more interesting dynamic if, you know, you had Obi-Wan as the main character and that instead of being told like, oh, you're wise or, oh, you're impatient, seeing him being wise yet impatient, right? Yeah. A believable young version of Obi-Wan. And then having Qui-Gon be the sort of slower, wiser, but willing to bend the rules sort of Jedi master, I think could have played a lot more and, you know, I think it I think it would have hit harder that way whenever Qui-Gon eventually dies in the battle with uh
0: yeah with Darth Maul. It's ultimately the only thing Obi-Wan really gets to do in this movie is in that sequence, which I think yeah. his character is fantastic in, the Darth Maul sequence. Because honestly, I do feel like the Darth Maul lightsaber battle it it's it might be the best lightsaber battle in all the movies. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. It's it, it's not just because like it's cool and the music and everything. But if you take the fight and you just you cut all the scenes together, you take out all the other side plots, which I did that one time. I took them all out and I made it just the lightsaber fight. The way the way they move, they go about it of how the story progression during the fight is what's happening. Like there's character development during a fight, and that's hard to do during a fighting sequence.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cuz a lot of times it just kind of resorts to Especially in episode three, it's just a light show, and it's cool. Look at how flashy it is. But this one, you see, you learn about Obi Wan as a character through how he's dealing, how he's like basically getting his butt kicked in this movie, in this fight. He keeps falling down, and he feels helpless, and everything. And then he gets stuck behind a shield, and while Qui Gon's there, like just being at peace and going into himself to sort of like. Get his bearings, Obi-Wan's just standing back there like sweating, like he's terrified of what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff like that. And ultimately I have a theory that he didn't force dash through his shields because he was too he was too unnerved to even think about it.
1: Yeah, and that sort of thing would probably take some concentration.
0: Yeah, like that something like that. And because like he's just seeing his master and he doesn't know what to do because every time he tries to fight, he gets pushed off to the side or gets knocked down. Or something like that, and then when Qui Gon dies is when he like becomes like unleashed, and he goes. It's the only time you really see Obi Wan really like unhinged. See, mm-hmm. even Darth Maul is just like, "Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! What's that? What is happening?" And he breaks half of it and it kicks him, and all stuff. But even Darth Maul's is like, "Oh, this this kid's dangerous now. What did I do?" And there, there's another Star Wars. The only lightsaber fight that has that aspect is in Episode Five, I think. Yeah, or Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. Yeah, but I can see than, that. Other than that one, it takes a cake for me. Is that and it, it is, and ultimately, you have to give George Lucas credit for that. There are parts of this movie that are absolutely brilliant. I think. Mhm. It's it's just too bad. There are others that are like, <laughs> Jar Jar Binks, you know. Yeah, and also, like, you really got to give
1: props to the design of Darth Maul. Like, he mm-hmm. he looks like a space devil. He really does and he's design-wise he's a totally different style of bad guy than Darth Vader was cuz Darth Vader was like this like unstoppable force sort of dude but yeah with Darth Maul he's like he's agile right he's agile he has this very different weapon that clearly takes more skill than a than a than like a one-handed sword and he's able to fight off two jedi at the same time because of it and then you know it also helps that the guy who played Darth Maul was is is and was a long time Hollywood stuntman who uh, you know is an expert in martial arts, and they they basically He's just so let cool. him choreograph <laughs> the fight scene. They were just like, "Hey, we need a couple of these narrative beats in there. All right, I'll I'll do the movements, and then yeah. they just let them go ham."
0: Now there, there's a lot of there's a lot of like discussion around Darth Maul's character and how him being killed was a waste, and. I don't really feel that way. I think that Darth Maul dying at the end of this movie actually, in a way, kind of has to happen. Because like, there's, there's, there's an idea, there's a lot of like ideas of how cool would be if Darth, Darth Maul continues to be the antagonist throughout the trilogy. Mm-hmm. But the thing it's trying to set up is that Darth Maul is a pawn. Padme is a pawn. Mm-hmm. Everyone's a Palpatine is just a pawn. Because ultimately, that's what it came down to in the original trilogy. Darth Vader's whole time is just a pawn. Like, nobody actually means anything to the Emperor. Mm-hmm. And Darth Maul's death, like that, just kind of starts this kind of train of like, he does what. Palpatine does what he wants with you, and then he throws you away. And, yeah.
1: And, you know, it definitely highlights that theme of evil being destructive, right? Mm mm-hmm. uh, And, you know, like, I I think there's pros and cons to both, but I I do admit, I do lean more in the, hey, Darth Maul probably should have been around the whole prequel trilogy. But I think part of that is also because of how hyped he was going into the movie. And even to this day, like, he's still one of the most popular Siths. And he had a grand total of one line in the actual
0: Mm -hmm. movies.
1: You know, at last, we will have our revenge. That's it.
0: For what? We don't know. I'm intrigued by that. Yeah. But it it is. I I do think a lot of the Darth Maul should have been there the whole time. It does come. A lot of that, I think, does come from what we ended up getting Mm -hmm. with 2 and 3. Because that plays a lot into the things about this movie that we like and don't like is what happened afterwards. And Mm. I I, I do. I I guess I do wonder what George Lucas was going to do before. Because I do think as much as two and three have their ambition as well it just doesn't have that weirdness this movie has this movie is just i can't emphasize it enough again this movie is so weird it's one of the weirdest movies ever made and it's a big budget blockbuster movie yeah but it doesn't really feel like one it barely even feels like a movie it it feels like you're just watching a bunch of events just kind of happen and Mm -hmm. i guess they're edited together
1: yeah, and I guess there's a bad guy who's playing four-dimensional chess with everyone, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's you know. a
0: Senate meeting for some reason. What happened to Naboo? Well, what's, what, what? Why are we on this sand planet now? It's, it's very, very disjointed. And I don't... Now this is
1: pod racing!
0: Yeah, and, and like George Lucas said, I went too far in a few places, but I wonder if, if he had to continue to make it exactly how he wanted to, if he would have, like, focused it up, or if it just would have continued to be a sporadic mess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Because it could be two. I I could be completely wrong, a two and three are actually his completely full vision. We'll we'll never really know. Coach George Lucas is kind of an enigma.
1: Yeah, at this point, he's just like, I'll take my billions and be mm-hmm. chill, because I'm not going to satisfy anybody these days, and that's fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, one of the, the the one of the last aspects I think we can get at in detail is the decision. Because we could go into Jar Jar. We don't have to go into Jar Jar. He's annoying. Whatever.
1: Dude, we got to talk about Jar Jar. Oh, come on. (laughs) I'm sorry. We got to talk about Jar Jar. He was there for the kids. He was there for the kids. Let's not miss words. That's why he was there. I was a kid. I liked Jar Jar. I quoted Jar Jar for years. Unironically.
0: Stepping in poop.
1: Ooh, poodoo. Right? It's so... It's so funny. Like... (laughs) Did they yeah, actually? And I mean, like these days, like the juxtaposition of like all this serious stuff happening and <laughs> this complete and utter sure goofball jar. fool. It's like okay, <laughs> I get, I get why he's a complete court jester. I get it.
0: It's 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 very interesting,
1: but he's an idiot. That's the point.
0: And like, I so I, I like the story of the village idiot saves the day as much as anybody, but it's when you make him so obnoxiously annoying. Yeah, that's when it kind of starts to.
1: Now, we do need to specify we're talking strictly about Jar Jar, the character, not the guy who played Jar Jar. Because my understanding is the guy who played Jar Jar, my gosh, he's gotten so much hate for yeah, doing his guy. job.
0: He thought so, he would have, they were telling him he had the role of a lifetime. He did. They were telling him he's going to be racing ever and not quite. Yeah, I feel bad for him. He did. He was doing what he was told he, he, he did his job. And man, he committed. Yeah. Did, did he, he did. ever commit?
1: And he's that is another yeah.
0: aspect. Jar Jar is a very... Is, the effects on him are very impressive. Mm-hmm. E- even to this day, he's pretty convincing looking. Yeah, yeah, he does
1: blend in pretty well with everything.
0: Yeah, I, I do kind of forget that he is a special effect. It's actually a man in a blue suit, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. But but yeah, that's the way it is. And I, I will also say, I think the Darth Jar Jar theory is... A fun thought experiment, you know, gives you an excuse to go back and watch the movie again. But ultimately, it's like, you know, we'll we'll never really know. And it is a bit of a stretch. It's a bit of a stretch because, like, you know, we're never going to know because two and three onward. What is there to do? I will admit I did secretly hope that he was a Sith in the sequel trilogy. Mm -hmm. But, uh, (laughs) you know, obviously that did not happen. Which is fine. You know, it it is what it is. But, uh, but yeah, like, Jar Jar, he... Well, whatever way you land on it, he made an impact on the series. And George Lucas heard
0: it. Ultimately, I think that it... Because we... I think we can definitively say George Lucas did not take Jar Jar's character completely to where he was intending it to. It was not Darth Jar Jar... But I do think there was going to be a kind of a very sad, kind of tragic end to his story. Mm -hmm. Which kind of did end up... We saw aspects of what it was, because I don't think he could remove that, really. Making him responsible for the Empire, ultimately, and giving power to Palpatine. Because Mm -hmm. really, Jar Jar's story, if you take out the obnoxious of how obnoxious the character is, it really is a story of people just not ever taking him seriously or giving him the credit he deserves. When he... He does actually care and is actually trying to do the right thing. But he just happens to be a klutz, which is not really his fault. And Mm -hmm. I think that his story overall, when you take out how obnoxious he is, there is a kind of a cool story there. And I don't, it doesn't get credit for that. And I think it should as much as I hate Jar Jar. So yeah, I'm glad you made us talk about Jar Jar. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Because he is a little underrated, but they're right. He's obnoxious. (laughs) Yeah, but he, the, the, he's there for the kids. That's yeah. it. That's we we it. could talk more about Padme, but ultimately, she doesn't, there's not really much to Padme in this movie. I
1: She's, will say, though, I did like... Um, I think it was last year was the first time I actually noticed that they were switching in Natalie Portman and Keira mm-hmm. Knightley as Queen yeah. Amidala before the reveal. But, you know, the reason they cast Natalie Portman was because her and Keira Knightley looked so similar with the makeup on that you
0: couldn't tell. Now, do you think that they that George Lucas had them do the robot voice so that you could tell, so that you could do the twist? I think so. Because the robot voice is weird, and we never see it again. Yeah.
1: So, I I I think it is. I think it is. He really wanted to do the hey, this is the queen is actually this sort of reveal, so that way Anakin can be like, all right, I have a crush on the queen. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to be a Jedi and get married to her, and there'd yep. be no
0: problems. Uh, <laughs> it is interesting to think about, though, how Padme is kind of the f- first separatist, officially separatist planet. If you think about it in a way. I guess. Because essentially what they did about the, no vote, no, the vote of no confidence was they were like, that's what started it all. Yeah. That's the whole idea. Screw- like We're being treated unfairly by the system, and we kind of want out.
1: Screw you, Chancellor uh, Terrence. I think... Valorum? Valorum. Valorum, yeah. something like that. Yeah. He, he plays he Terrence the motivational speaker in Yes Man.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so it's Chancellor Terrence as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. Now, the last asp- aspect of this movie, unless there's something I'm not thinking about, is Anakin. And the decision to make him a child. Yeah. What do you, what do you think of that? Because I think it's weird. I don't I, get it, it. it.
1: Whenever you think of, like... Darth Vader, the greatest villain in movie history, it's really weird to see him as a normal ass kid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It really is. Like, um, I've heard, like, there's there's one rewrite I really like that ages him up to be a teenager, in which case it makes a little more sense for him to be like, he's too old to do this. It makes a lot more sense. Because he's 14 years old and going through puberty, and we don't want to have angsty, force mad teenagers. Because,
0: mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that worked I, out great in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, so really I think did. it would have. I think that should
1: have been the angle they went with, but at the same time, I think the decision to make him a child was also for the kids, so that way they would have a, a character to relate to. Right? Yeah, so they realize there would be a lot of kids in the movie theater. You know, case in point, I'm one of them.
0: Uh, did you like? Plus, the other thing is, he
1: does get a badass moment where he wins the pod race.
0: Yeah, that, that is it. Is a brilliant how they do that of how they have him do the pod race not just to be cool but to to that is the visual in this movie that i think does excellently is how they use that to show you how brilliant of a pilot anakin is so how he can repair his pod in the middle of the race
1: mm-hmm. all the other
0: all the other pods of pit crews and stuff he's doing his and he still somehow wins it's it's a really effective way to establish that idea
1: Yeah. And also the fact that he's strong, that he is able to use the force to a degree Mm -hmm. instead of just telling us his power level, right? It's like, Hey, you need insane reaction speed to, to be a a pod racer because people die from these 1000 mile an hour (laughs) crashes that happen on the regular. And he's able to avoid all that. So I think, I think that part is fine. Uh, the one aspect I didn't like, and I still don't like is it is it doesn't make logical sense that they would bring Anakin back with them to Naboo to free the planet. Right. Cause he's a child.
0: Yeah. It's so now, irresponsible. It is extremely <laughs> but, irresponsible. But it, 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 it is because like he's Anakin. He has to be there. He's a very main character. It's like, but logistically that makes no sense.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's just, that doesn't make sense to me. And You know, I feel like they put him there to justify a space battle, which I think it could have been. I think it could have been more interesting if Anakin was like a young ace for Naboo. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay, so here, here is my rewrite idea: Anakin, Anakin is actually like a young pilot in training in Naboo, and he's very force strong. Let's say he's about fourteen years old. He escapes with them whenever they leave Naboo with Qui Gon and Obi Wan and he ends up doing the pod racing thing you know let's say they discover hey there's a pod race here and if we win the pod race we can do this can we trust this guy anakin i guess so let's do it he's the best pilot we have in this group and he's a bit of a hot shot but that's also where you get chances for him and padme to interact and it's not as creepy because they're about the same age instead yeah. of him being nine and she's 14. it's uh, kind of weird <laughs> yeah he yeah, ages
0: yeah. so much more than she does
1: yeah yeah <laughs> You know, you don't have any, and you you could, and it would make like the, I think the awkward flirting would still be there. You could still be like, "Are you an angel?" But it might still be just as awkward. Anyway, you could
0: even have it to where Anakin's been obsessing over to Queen for his whole life.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, it makes that much more whenever, uh, yeah, whenever she's revealed and he has that knowledge. But then it also makes sense whenever they go back to Nebu because he's a proven. Pilot, and it makes sense for him to be trusted to uh, go with the other Nabu pilots to stop the the siege. Yeah, so it's still a little irresponsible, but it's at least a worthwhile risk because he's fourteen instead of nine.
0: Yeah, and and there is that there's that aspect that as much credit as I give them for the pod race and establishing how he's a pilot, I feel like the ending of this movie with him up in the in the starfighter kind of negates all of that. Because he doesn't destroy the Trade Federation control ship because he's a great pilot. Yeah, it's He does it by accident. He's like, oops, oh, I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. Like, what, what is, <laughs> why are we doing this? And now that's the taste you have left in your mouth. Not the pod racing sequence.
1: Yeah, and, and they made a big deal about way. freeing all those pilots, and they did jack shit.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. And also, Chris Stuckman pointed this out, and I love it. Why is there a child size helmet in that starfighter? <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that. Yep, it's it's weird. It's it's weird. Another funny thing, <laughs> I heard this in a different podcast too of how he's about to he's about to drive a freaking pod. Like, the most intense thing you'll ever do. And what does he say when Qui-Gon picks him up to put him in it? (laughs) Wee, you, kid. (laughs) Shut up.
1: I don't think this kid experiences G-Force.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, But, but man, that pod race was was so wizard.
0: It's so wizard, man. I feel Uh, really bad for Jake Lloyd, though. Yeah, the guy who played Anakin,
1: young Anakin. Yeah. Yeah, he got a lot of hate, similar to Jar Jar, it's not, and it's not. ended up having a downward spiral that was not okay.
0: Which, why does this have to happen with Star Wars? Like, it happened with with the, I don't know her name, whoever played Rosie in the last Jedi. Oh,
1: Kim Tran.
0: Yeah, Kim Tran. Like, he, people need to stop, man. It's I'll tell you Rosie. exactly what it is.
1: I'll tell you exactly what it is, man. Some people's religion is Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And they were very disappointed on a deep, personal level that their religion betrayed them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Like, I love Star Wars, but I'll tell—I'll be the first one to tell you—I love this. I said it at the beginning, I love this movie. It's not good. It's okay. You can that's love a, a movie that's not good. I love Space Jam. That movie's an absolute turd, in every way possible. <laughs> but I watch it and I enjoy it, and that's what matters. Like, like we just talked about—we just talked about a bunch of stuff, like why I love this movie and why this movie absolutely sucks. Because ultimately, what matters is. If you like this movie and you enjoy watching it, what else matters? Mm-hmm. That, that's it. Yeah. Just because someone says Phantom Menace is bad and they show you a video explaining why it's bad, it's okay. It's okay to acknowledge there's problems with a movie. You can still enjoy watching it. Because like we talked about the, before in a previous episode, The Room is like the greatest movie ever made.
1: And it's also the worst movie ever and made. It's the
0: worst movie ever made. And that's another example of like, the room is a movie that you watch. It's an absolute train wreck, but it's so clear. This is Tommy Wiseau's movie and it's his vision. And there's just something unique about that. And that's ultimately what I come down to on this movie is as weird as it is. It's just so clear that it's a beautiful, ambitious train wreck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, and Anakin being a kid is another aspect of that. Like I don't, maybe it is for the kids, Maybe George Lucas had a deeper reason that he's never said to this day. Maybe he maybe maybe the kid wasn't supposed to actually playing Anakin and he just happened to show up on set and his dad was there and he started saying lines and they didn't know how to stop him. I don't know. I and mean, probably it never will. hmm But it's interesting how sidetracked Anakin also gets in this movie. It's almost like he, he doesn't even have to really be there.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't, and I think, you know, it would have taken some rewriting and recasting, but they could have given him a good reason to be there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it, some of it, I think those those might be aspects of this movie that they had to put in there just because they had to. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's the prequel. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, All those right. are my overall thoughts on Phantom Menace. And yeah,
1: same here. Just. There's are some great things to this movie. There are some not great things. But the one thing I think we can all agree is this movie was ambitious.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like the most ambitious, one of the most ambitious movies ever yeah.
1: made. And I'll say this. I don't mind watching it. I'll, I'll probably watch it again at some point.
0: I'm probably going to watch it tomorrow. <laughs> probably not. I don't know. It, it's pretty boring. But, yeah, it can be. But that's okay. It's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's a good time. But yeah, if... Tell us your thoughts about Star Wars: The Phantom Menace and how wrong we are, or how right we are, or whatever. Just come talk to us. We want to, we yeah. want to hear what you think. Do you, you like Jar Jar? Yeah. You do you like, like Jar Jar? Do you actually believe Darth Jar Jar is a real thing, or would be a real thing, or is still a real thing? Maybe. There's Star Wars. Is, Star Wars is here to stay. I think it's pretty clear at this point. Yep. Our Disney what overlords will not see? let it die. Heck, maybe Disney will lose control of it at some point. Who knows? But wherever, whatever's gonna happen, Star Wars is probably still gonna be around, mm-hmm. whatever form that may be. So indeed, indeed. Yep. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can find us on Facebook at Unto the Breach Podcast. Right? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. All right. And you can find us on Twitter at Unto the Podcast. Come tell us your thoughts or whatever you want. Anyway, thank you again for listening i am joe and this has been adam yep yeah and please just remember when you're watching phantom menace again for whatever reason make sure you're drinking your water